Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, Senior Reporter at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing what is happening in the pension space at the moment with Pensions and Financial Inclusion Minister Guy Opperman. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. So, Minister, I thought we would jump just straight in and talk about the advice allowance, um, as you did previously mention, that there were issues with this um, in one of your um, hearings at the beginning of the year. So I was just wondering, how do you think we could improve the advice allowance going forward? Because I'd done a little investigation of my own, and out of, I think it was 10 providers or 11, only two actually do it at the moment, and they're big providers. So you know, why aren't they offering this? Why is take up so low? Well, as you know, uh, in December 2020, the uh, Treasury and the FCA published an evaluation of the financial advice market review. And this evaluation showed that the financial advice market is moving in the right direction with more people accessing advice. Now, clearly, this is a Treasury policy. And uh, doubtless, uh, John Glenn and Rishi will have uh, much to update you on uh, on an ongoing basis. But we certainly feel very strongly that there is a need for people to either go to PensionWise and get uh, guidance from PensionWise or to access the advice allowance. Uh, and I, I accept entirely that um, the findings that you say, but I think that this is a matter that Treasury and the FCA are looking into. Sure. So we'll leave that one for now because, you know, watch this space for them. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But there are also problems with lack of advice in the defined benefit pensions market. There are so many problems with PI and all sorts that, you know, advisors just it's just not worth their while staying in. And while this is, you know, bad for them, it's also extremely bad for clients because you need to get advice on transfers over 30K. So how are we going to tackle the risk that soon, you know, people are not going to be able to go to advisors or are going to struggle to get this sort of advice? Well, I don't think that there is a complete absence of advice, uh, but I do accept that the FCA rightly intervened and ran what they call a call for input, uh, which closed on the 15th of December last year, on how underlying problems in the consumer investment market and the role of professional indemnity insurance can be addressed. And I think Nikhil and his team at the FCA are taking this forward. Um, The policy derives from a cross-party agreement in the House of Commons that the uh, level of 30k was the appropriate level and that advice was appropriate in those circumstances. And I do believe that that policy will continue. I think there is a separate issue, though, which is clearly there is an issue on indemnity insurance across the board. And so... If we can reform the market in the uh, pension schemes with the pension schemes bill and uh, the work that we're doing on transfers, then I think the number of scams will go down, which means the insurance issues will go down and there will be generally a greater confidence in the system and greater confidence in uh, IFAs and advisors on an ongoing basis. That's So I think there is work that the FCA needs to be doing, but we also need to tackle the problems at, uh, at the sharp end. Yeah, because correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen Timms was pushing for the right to kind of remove this right to transfer when there are, you know, significant signs that this a scam might be taking place, you know, from the seeding scheme and or wherever. 
Um, but oh, this was left out of the pension schemes bill. I'm... Well, no, that's not totally correct. So, um, uh, so Stephen and I met on four separate occasions over the summer of last year. And uh, the government actually brought in an amendment to the bill to ensure that there was actually greater emphasis on this. So I think you'll find that Stephen and I are utterly uh, joined at the hip on this because uh, there was work done, over the, no question, and much exchange of letters, meetings and the like uh, throughout the summer and the autumn of last year to ensure that the particular clause, Section 125 of the Pension Schemes Bill, was precise. And putting it, putting it really simply... The red flags identified by the pension scams industry group have effectively been uh, adopted by the government as the appropriate flags that should prevent or pause the thought for trustees on an ongoing basis. So in respect of transfers, I am reasonably confident that the scams regulations, which I will bring through to the House and passing in the House of Commons in approximately September, or maybe as late as October this year, that those led pieces of legislation will ensure that transfers will be way, way, way safer on an ongoing basis. Sure. And then do you think that this will, you know, in turn affect the advice market in that it will, you know, become, for want of a better word, like safer, more people will be happy to yeah. do transfers? Uh, putting it bluntly, that the work that we've done for the last two years has been to make pensions safer, better and greener. And safer involves clearly cracking down on the likes of Philip Green and the BHS scandals. And that's where the criminal penalties come in as a deterrent. But it also involves stopping scams. And uh, just as we managed to prevent the widespread problem of cold calling. So if you and I had had this discussion three years ago, you would be saying, why are the government not stopping cold calling? And so we have stopped cold calling. Now, clearly, there are we, we need to keep work and we need to keep vigilant of everything on this. But there is no question in my mind that the next big issue was transfers. And we wish to address that. And I think we've done that very successfully with Section 125 and the regulations to the extent that. And I'll, I'll just finish on this point. These passed with cross party agreement. There's no question in the House yeah. of Commons. These are things that everybody agreed, right, the government is in the right place. We've all worked together. And Stephen and I had many conversations, as I did with many other different individuals, to ensure that we were in a good place. Sure. And kind of keeping on the whole scams basis, because, you know, pensions and scams do, unfortunately, go hand in hand. Do you think there should be a duty on these big tech firms, like such as Google, to stop these adverts for scams getting through to sabers because you know you go on these search engines and it is rife i mean i'm obviously a pensions reporter so pensions are always going on in my background in google so the amount of adverts i have popping up for you know you can't beat this investment opportunity like go here go there i see them all the time so do you think that you know it's kind of we should be putting on us on google and these tech firms to just stop this so it doesn't even get to clients and consumers. So I'll choose my words carefully. So <laughs> social media uh, companies, and there are four main players in this market, are Google, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And the last two are relatively small. But Google uh, in particular, but Facebook as well, are allowing people to advertise, some of whom are perfectly bona fide companies, but they are taking money from clear fraudsters. That is patently clear. The evidence of the Work and Pension Select Committee by the gentleman from Aviva, by Action Fraud, by the Pension Scams Industry Group, you've just effectively given evidence yourself uh, that there are 
clearly inappropriate players who are forming companies on companies like GoDaddy and then paying Google a lot of money to be the number one promotion on Google when uh, you were searching these matters or paying for pop-ups, as you were saying. So it, it is really simple. On the 23rd of April last year, Google announced that they were going to vet all advertisers before they took uh, such promotions and in respect of uh, the work that they're doing. The question you have to ask yourself, considering Google made, uh, by my uh, best inquiries, $89 billion of profit last year, what is taking so long? It is really, really simple. They should not take any advertisers on their site unless they're satisfied about the bona fides of those advertisers. It's just that simple. So if you and I wanted to set up a bank account, Barclays or any other bank are not allowed to take our account until we've proven who we are. We, traditionally, we do that by a passport. If you are running a newspaper, the FT, they are, there are rules in respect of taking adverts by the FT such that they are not allowed to take certain types of adverts without satisfying themselves. Now, there is a perfectly other, it's a perfectly good argument that people get their information traditionally from a newspaper, an encyclopedia, their own research, or an IFA. Too many people nowadays are getting their information from Google and, to a lesser extent, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. But Google is the prime provider of this information. So you have a whole cohort of people who are your mum and dad, my mum and dad, our grandparents, who are seeking information and are being defrauded, putting it bluntly, by what they find on uh, the likes of Google and other, other social media sites. So I am absolutely adamant that what Google need to do is what they said they would do. It's not difficult. This is not something that they don't say they they ought to do. So they have made it absolutely critically clear that they are going to vet advertisers. So do it. And clearly, it would be an expensive process. There's no question. It would be logistically difficult. No question. But it's not like 89 billion pounds a year's profit doesn't buy you a bit of expense. Mm -hmm. I have no question, unequivocally, Uh, Google should act. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're such a big player. And as I said, it's so easy. I mean, you know, and it's so easy to catch people out because we're lucky. We're kind of clued up on pensions and how they work. But, you know, your average Joe, it's amazing the amount of people I speak to who have no idea how a pension works and that, you know, that you can't even take money out before the age of 55 they're like why can't I that's fine I'm like oh no 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 don't do that that's there, 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 there are two issues the first is the evidence by um I think his name is Peter Hazelwood the man from Aviva mm-hmm. was just astonishing at the work and pension select committee where basically people are setting up fake companies who are purporting to be Aviva or the like yeah. and offering very attractive as you rightly identified returns for investing in this bond or this particular investment. And the moment you then contact them and then do a transfer of your money to these organizations, the money is gone. And and Aviva literally are paying money to try and take down these and also to over-promote their own fee, their own service, over and above the one who is the fraudster who has been paying Google to get the service. It is utterly unacceptable. So the cloned websites is definitely out there. Uh, and then secondly, there are financial promotions for things like reviews in certain circumstances, or as you rightly say, early access to things, or uh, just plain fraudulent proposals that we just genuinely have to ask, why are Google taking money from known fraudsters? And yeah. 
it's not ethical. It's not what I consider to be uh, an appropriate way in terms of the corporate social responsibility for them to behave. Uh, I've met with them. I've made this very robustly to them. They've gone away to think about it. I would be very keen for the FT to make the case. Why don't you do what you said you're going to do? Yeah. Bet your advertisers. And also, they are the kings of algorithms, okay? So Mm. there's no question they have a phenomenal algorithm, which I know in Westminster has not been uh, flavor of the month lately, but uh, the algorithm they have could take the word finance and financial services and pensions and flag every single one of those investments, right? If you want to go and look at sport uh, or you want to look at uh, whatever, or culture promotion, where there is no potential for financial loss, other than you may get um, your local football team may be criticised in a more robust way than you wanted to. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. My point is, with using an algorithm, you could weed out financial services, pensions, and financial products and things like early review, which quite clearly are flags to potential crime. And the burdens on them, they are the yeah. single biggest provider of information on the planet, the single biggest provider in this country. Um, they say they're going to do it. Why won't they? Yeah. Do you reckon that by the end of this year they would have acted or is that being a bit too optimistic? <laughs> Will do these things take time to kind of put into place? I think that's a question you'll need to put to Google. Um, yeah, go to I, <laughs> I have very robustly uh, made the case uh, they have an enormous PR and public affairs team who'd be delighted to speak to the FT, I'm quite yeah. sure. Yeah, get on to it. <laughs> and the thing is, pensions, you know, they're just too good an opportunity for scammers, unfortunately. You know, they're these massive pots of money that just sit there, you know, waiting to kind of be taken. So do you think we will ever get to a point, you know, where we will solve this pension scams issue once and for all? Or do you think, you know, We'll get past this and then it'll be something else. Like you said, it used to be cold calling. Now it's kind of transfers. And now it's, you know, clone firms. Are we going to have something else come up? Or do you think in an ideal world, will we get to the point where it's gone? So I do believe we are making progress. Uh, my mm-hmm. glass is half full, not half empty. So I think that there is no doubt that people's pension, their occupational pension, is something that is one of their largest assets after their home, if they're lucky enough to own a home. And we are going to be in a situation where we are going to need to ensure that, you know, the various means by which fraudsters can access and get inside the system uh, do not exist. And so I think, you know, cold calling, uh, the pension transfer work we do, vetting of advertisers by the social media companies will make a massive difference. I also would make the point that putting you back in charge will make a massive difference. So things like the pensions dashboard. So I am old enough to have uh, had uh, an encounter with a person called a bank manager. Now, uh, people of your generation never met your bank manager. You don't need to because you have a banking app that means you speak to your bank manager actually every day because you're in contact with your bank virtually every day. And they send you prompts and reminders and uh, all of that. We have none of that in pensions. So my job is to simplify and Uh, make accessible pensions. So I simplify it in two ways. I bring forward the pensions dashboard, which will basically do exactly what your banking and your savings app does uh, for pensions. Uh, And you will get the interchangeability of those three things, savings, banking, and pensions, all will start merging and or you will be start moving money around three on a regular basis and going forward. Secondly, I make the written statement. So the written pension statement at the moment is about 
somewhere between 20 and 43 pages. Uh, everyone receives them. No one reads them. And they all go into a drawer in the kitchen or somewhere else and are forgotten about. So we're turning those into simpler statements so that they are accessible and understandable and do what they say on the tin. So my belief is that if you actually give a, give people the information in a clear, concise, easily comprehensible way, you empower the individual. And the greater that the individual is empowered, the greater the opportunity there is for them to have a capability of running their, their situation and or then taking appropriate advice or guidance. Yeah. Do you think COVID's kind of helped with this? I mean, I know a lot more people are looking at their finances now because they've had the time, and, you know, if COVID's hit them in a way that they weren't expecting, you know, they want to make sure everything's on track and everything's going well. So do you think, you know, that COVID has helped more people get in touch with their, you know, their pension providers, look at their pensions and think, right, I need to do this. And with this kind of awareness, they're a bit more aware of the scams and the risks that can come with it. Would you say that? So I think the the data is still uh, to be really to come in, but I think that there is um, there's no evidence of a great preponderance of scams by reason of COVID. That's that's pretty clear from the regulators and the way they inform me. But I do think there is a a definite situation whereby individual people, some of those who have been in uh, lucky enough to be in employment, have had a good long hard look at their finances. The stats on repayment of credit card debt is just phenomenal, for example. The stats on savings that people have have made uh, who have been in employment are remarkable. There's no doubt that people have looked at their finances and paid off credit card debt is the easiest example. In terms of sort of pensions and the way in which they're looking at it, I do believe that there has been a greater focus during the pandemic. Clearly, also government has done an awful lot. We've done the Pension Schemes Act and we've done a lot of work to try and take forward Simpler statements, dashboard. Um, look, we're trying to look at payroll savings and sidecar savings to try and have a situation where people have rainy day money. And so, one of my great uh, hopes is that we will build upon um, some of the lessons in the past and actually get people whereby they have a greater preponderance of rainy day savings. Because some of those people who have lost their job have realised that the problem is the lack of savings. It doesn't give you any kind of a buffer zone uh, to deal with the difficulties and disasters of which clearly COVID has been one of the biggest ones in all of our lifetimes. Yeah, for sure. And I wondered if we could um, just talk about the Pension Schemes Act for a quick moment, because I know that's, you know, something you've been working on now for a few uh, years. The grey hairs, <laughs> hairs have begun since I've done this, but um, yeah, what, what do you want to know? So... I reported last week that, you know, the criminal sanctions kind of guidance from TPR is out. And that's a real quick movement, in my opinion, because, you know, the acts only went through like last month. So is this what we're going to see? Is there going to be quick movement on this now, you know, pushing forward for legislation, getting dashboards kind of up and running? I just wondered if it was going to be, you know, similar across. There's no doubt that we are, uh, you know, there's a great Ernest Hemingway say any fool can write, but the key is editing. So there's a great adage with legislation, primary legislation and act is very much a framework. The regulations are the actual prose. It is actually the nuts and bolts that makes everything work. So uh, we are progressing those as quick as we possibly can. There's some bits, things like scams and the climate change um, amendments uh, that we are really taking forward at pace. I really want the climate change TCFD provisions in place prior to COP. We will be able to say we're the first country in the world to have legislated for this and it will be in law. 
Um, and it will be, in, you know, so the Prime Minister can stand up at COP and say, if you want an example of how you empower the individual and you, you integrate climate change and pensions, look at the Pension Schemes Act and look at what we've done there. Uh, clearly, there is some things that will take a bit longer, like TB funding is got to be the subject of a secondary consultation by the TPR over the next uh, year or so. Uh, CDCs is a substantial piece of work which we're working on. I spoke to the TUC yesterday, but you know there is an awful lot of work being done on that. But all of these strands are being taken forward. And I set out to Parliament about two Tuesdays, I think it was the Tuesday before the budget, I did a written ministerial statement which sets out the time frame on each and every aspect of this particular part of uh, the legislation. Sure. And what do you think about the whole criminal sanctions stuff that TPR put out? Are you quite happy with the way they've gone about it? No. I mean, so listen, um, TPR are an independent regulator and it's not for me to tell them how to uh, act. But obviously we discuss all the time and I'm very content that there is a statutory defence in the uh, provisions of Section 107 and that there is that there is very much great protections by reason of the guidance that they put out. Now, it's there as a deterrent. You know, that what we are doing is we are having to clear up the mess from BHS and the likes of Philip Green uh, to ensure that the bad actors who have put people's pensions at serious and material risk are deterred by significant custodial sentence. And it seems to me that that is what very much was in various party manifestos it seems to me it has to be done, but the vast majority uh, should have nothing to fear whatsoever. And the point needs to be fairly made that the vast majority of trustees and people all involved with pensions are completely reputable and with that nothing, no problems whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a lot, lot to come this year and next year on pensions, isn't there? There is, there is. <laughs> a lot for you to be doing. <laughs> well, Minister... Thank you so much for joining us today. I do appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. I think the good news is my puppy has not invaded. Your cat has <laughs> not invaded. Uh, my Northumberland Wi-Fi has worked well and uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Pleasure. Good to chat. Take care. Cheers now. Well, thank you for joining me and tune in next week for the next episode. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.